One night, two men walked along by the banks of the Wick River when it began to drizzle. They were called Mr. Levack and Mr. Grant. They stopped and began arguing, then made their way towards a small hill known as Fairy's Hillock. One of the men began to chant an old spell in which he called upon mystic powers which could only be used at midnight to open up the graves of the dead, making ghouls and devils slaves, and swifter than a light's career, Queen of Fairyland, appear, appear. Of course, he never expected anything to happen, but suddenly, from all around, the men came hundreds of fairies. They were all shapes and sizes and danced round their queen. Very quietly, the men heard the music of the fairies, and at this point, one of them fainted. The other stood mesmerised. The queen was bathed in a glorious light, and he could see her beautiful white dress against her pale white skin as she glided to the music. In her right hand, she held a wand, which she pointed at the man. Suddenly, a swirling black shape appeared, except for the white beard. The man was terrified and called for it to disappear. In the name of all that is holy, go, he yelled, and almost as soon as it had come, it disappeared into the dark night. Not only that, the fairies too began to melt into the night's drizzle until there was not a single one left on the banks of the river. The man turned round and helped his friend up, although both were very quiet as they returned to the town centre. On Tuesday 23rd April 1895, 12 days after the encounter with the fairy folk, Mr Levack was presented with an inscribed cane and a purse full of money as a thank you from the townsfolk for his bravery against the fairies. Many years ago, there was a man who killed seals in order to make money to keep his family. One day, he managed to kill a good few seals, but one of the biggest of their number managed to swim away, even though he had been wounded. As the seal killer tied up his boat, he was approached by a man on a black stallion, who asked if the fisherman could bring the dead seal skins that night to his master. The seal killer was unsure, but decided to go with the man to see his master. He jumped onto the back of the man's horse and the two of them rode away. In what seemed only a moment, the two men arrived at the cliffs of Duncansby. The fisherman dismounted, as did the stranger. In a flash, the stranger grabbed the seal killer and they both tumbled over the cliffs and into the wild sea below. Terrified that he was going to die, the seal killer struggled, but the stranger dragged him deeper until they reached a strange door. It was open and the two of them swam into what was a small cave at the bottom of the cliff. The seal killer was astonished to find more seals there and they spoke to him. The largest of the group told him not to be afraid. He looked down, too frightened to look at them, and realised he himself now had the body of a seal. The biggest seal brought out a large knife and asked the seal killer if it belonged to him. When he said yes, he was asked to go to the corner of the cave where he saw a badly wounded seal. The large seal then asked him to place his hand on the injured seal, which he did, and suddenly the wound began to heal. It was miraculous. 
The injured seal rose and bowed at the fisherman to thank him for healing him. The other seals came to him and shook his hand, thanking him for saving the life of their king. The seal who had brought him to the cave approached him and told him he would take him home, but only if he promised never to kill a seal again. The fisherman agreed without hesitation and was taken back to the top of the cliff in the blink of an eye. From that day onwards, the seal killer became a simple fisherman. He never killed another seal in his lifetime, but the sea gave him enough fish for him and his family to live well. Once in a while, the seal king would surface, and when the fisherman was out at sea, they would bow to each other before the seal king disappeared beneath the waves. The ruins of Ardvreck Castle lie on the northern shore of Loch Assent, north of Inchnadamph. One night, two crofters were making their way home to Elfin. With them was a cow that they were taking to pasture nearer their home. As they were walking along the moonlit road, they got near to Ardvreck when they saw the tall figure of a man coming out of the ruins. One of the men fled in terror, leaving the other alone with his cow. Unsure of what to do, he continued walking, but the animal became restless. When he reached opposite the ruins, the ghost too was walking on the road. They spoke to the man in his native Gaelic, It's a fine night. The man replied that it was indeed, and the two fell into conversation. After about a mile, the ghost suddenly disappeared into the night. Later, the crofter told how it had been an enjoyable conversation with the apparition, who spoke fluent Gaelic, much to the crofter's surprise, but also delight, and the ghost, it seemed, was well educated. Over the years, the ghost of a grey man has been seen at Ardfreck, but no one has ever mentioned him ever walking along the road at night. In a croft at Braymore, there once lived a man called John and his wife, Meg. They had been married a long time and were very happy. It happened one day that John had spent the whole day out in the fields thinning turnips, and when he returned home, he was exhausted. Meg pleaded for him to go to visit her sister, Bella, who lived a short distance away from the croft, but John told her he would just go to bed and he would see her in the morning. By the time she returned home, John was fast asleep and they did not see each other until the next day. After spending time in the field that morning, he returned to the house for lunch and he saw butter had been made, the cheese was ready and the house was cleaned. In fact, it was spotless. But something didn't feel right to him, but he could not figure out what it was. As time passed, John forgot about the feeling he had had, and the couple became fairly prosperous, thanks to them having more butter and cheese than anyone else in the district. This had bothered him to begin with, but as time went on, he simply got on with his work. However, exactly a year and a day after Meg had gone off to visit her sister, she became gravely ill and died. John was heartbroken. For a time he was inconsolable, but eventually he settled into a routine 
and a year after his wife died, he fell in love again. A short time afterwards, he married Janet, who was a lovely lady, but not as good a housekeeper as Meg, but she did her best. They lived happily together for seven years. Then one day, when John was out thinning his turnips, a lady waved to him and he automatically waved back. But then he looked again. It was Meg. He couldn't believe his eyes, and at first he thought he was dreaming. When Meg saw the state he was in, she rushed over to him to comfort him. John was beside himself in utter confusion. But I was only gone half an hour, she said to him, after he told her he had remarried. Tears from their eyes rolled down their cheeks. Meg went on to explain that she had left the house that day and she had met a very nice man who had been dressed all in green. He had escorted her to the fairy knoll where they stopped. The man asked Meg if she would like to go into the knoll. Knowing instantly that the man in green was actually a fairy, she had agreed. Fairies had a reputation of being good in the district and she knew she would come to no harm. Inside the knoll was simply wonderful. Music like she had never heard before was played and the fairy asked her to dance. She agreed and they danced to the lovely music. However, after a time, the fairy stopped and led her to the door. He waved her goodbye. She thanked him and returned home just as the sun was setting. And here she was. John didn't know what to do. He was legally married to two women. What happened to the three of them is unknown, but somewhere a fairy may have the answer. A long time ago, an old man walked along the beautiful beach at Old Shore Moor near Kinloch Berry. He often walked along it and picked up driftwood and such like. But one day he came across some boots belonging to a sailor who had drowned not far from his home. The man took the boots back to his cottage. A few nights later, he woke and found a man in his kitchen dressed in sailor's clothes, but he had no footwear. The ghost wandered about for a short time, then disappeared. The following night, he reappeared at the same time and did the same thing, but he stayed slightly longer before he left. This went on for many nights with the sailor becoming more of a nuisance as he upset items in the kitchen and seemed to search the house for something before the crofter decided to tell the local minister what was going on at his house. The poor man and his wife were becoming ever more frightened by the sailor's behaviour. The minister told him that the next time the sailor appeared he should simply ask him what he wants. But at that time, it was thought if you spoke to a ghost, you would die soon after. However, the man decided to be brave, and the next time the ghost appeared, he asked him what he wanted. The ghost leaned in and whispered to him, telling him the reason why he was there. Then shortly afterwards, the man opened the door to the cottage, and the two of them went for a walk along the beach. The sailor then disappeared into the sea and was never seen again. The man returned to his house and when his wife asked him what it was all about, he simply told her the ghost would never trouble them again, which he didn't 
However, the wife asked him what had been said between the two of them as she had seen them converse. The man turned to her and said that if asked on his deathbed, he would tell her or anyone who wanted to know, but until then, he would keep it to himself. No one ever did ask what was said between them until the man lay dying many years later. His wife soon realised that the boots her husband had found on the beach were nowhere to be seen. He had given them back to the sailor. A long time ago, a boat was wrecked and a keg of whisky was washed ashore at Kerricher Bay. The barrel was found by a local fisherman who took it to the old ferry house at Kyleskew. The innkeeper told him he could keep it in an upstairs room, accessed only by a wooden loft ladder. He invited some friends round one Saturday evening and they had a night of drinking and merrymaking. One of the men present was a seer who foretold that there would be a disaster of some kind. When he said this, he was laughed at by the others who simply did not believe him. An argument ensued and became very heated. Soon the fisherman tried to bring the evening to a close, but his son was furious and pushed him. He fell through the gap in the floor and tumbled past the wooden ladder, breaking his neck. As he fell, he cursed his son, shouting, I shall return and have my revenge. A few weeks later, his son's body was found floating in Loch Glencool. It is said that on midnight, on the anniversary of the death of the fisherman, his ghost appears at what is now the Kyleskew Hotel, directly below the place where the old ladder had once been. He is still seen on occasion to this day. It is said that a very long time ago, about 12 boys were playing near Loch Nagilla, some four miles or so from Lairg. They were chasing the wild horses and ponies which lived there when one of their number noticed the most beautiful pony he had ever seen with a shiny, almost golden coat and decided he wanted to ride it. The boys managed to grab it and began climbing on one by one. Eventually, only the two brothers had to climb on, but they soon realised that there was no room for them on the magnificent horse. The younger brother called up to the others, let us on, as his finger poked the horse. All of a sudden, his finger turned golden in colour. Ian, he called to his brother, take your knife and cut my finger. His brother drew his knife and cut off his brother's finger and frightened more than they had ever been in their whole lives, they sprinted home as fast as they could without turning round. They never saw the entrails of their companions strewn over the loch as the horse dived into the deep waters. And it was because of this terrible disaster that the loch is known as Loch Nagila, Loch of the Boys, in their memory. <laughs>